All right, so let's get after this thing because uh, the worship seemed, seemed to take in. Wow, what did you guys do? And I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, whoa. All right, so we're having lunch. We're going to pause for lunch and we'll come back and finish them. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do have a good one today, you know? Right? Did y'all really think I'm going to ever get up here and say, I got a bad one today, guys? You know? right? I do have a good one today because I'm wrapping up the, the message we've been, uh, we've been talking about relationships, right? But not just any relationship. We're talking about the relationship God desires from you. Now, let me just say this. I th- I'm <laughs> talking about relationships. I'm getting testimonies to how people are growing closer in, in, in their relationship with God. And I'm even getting testimonies about people realizing that how they need to be growing closer to God. But I'm also getting a lot of testimonies about how this is really helping people in their relationship with their wife. You know, this was not intended to be a marriage uh, a, a series here. But if it did help you in that area, well, thank you. But how about taking that part and that it, 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 that enthusiasm and then put it in towards your relationship to God? Let me just say that. Amen. I'm glad we were able to help you in those areas. But God wants a relationship for you, not religion, but relationship part four. And this will be the end of this. And he desires that relationship. And, you know, uh, there's, man has always attempted to get to God, you know, and, 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 and religion is just, that's what that is. It's, it's man's attempt to, to, to get to God in our own strength. And, and God's not satisfied with just religion. And by religion, we're talking about like rituals or formulas or just, you know, like it'd be a checkbox to make God happy, you know. And, and uh, I do want to say this, and, and I don't mean to take a sidetrack, and I'm not trying to get, where's Earl? He's, not, he's in there. All right, Earl, I'm not trying to get on you. I want to add a little something to what you said about the tithe. And that's correct. What you said is correct. But I would add to the end of that, that we tithe not out of obligation, but we tithe out of our relationship with God, our love for God. Because see, when you love God and you put him first, the other things come naturally, you know, and you don't, you don't get into arguing over should I or shouldn't I, you know, you just, it just naturally flows. It naturally happens. So, Amen. All right, so it's, uh, and, and religion has so many different lists, little lists of rules throughout history that, that man has imparted or come up with formulas. I mean, you look at some religions, and I'm talking about other religions, you know, not Christianity, and, and they do some really crazy things. You've got to do this certain amount of things. This time's a day, you've got to be praying. It don't matter where you are, you've got to stop, you've got to face here, and you've got to pray. All of these little, and you've got to do all of this to appease your God. And this is, this is what uh, has, people have, have learned to think about Christianity that way. And that's not what God wants because God hates religion. And somebody may be thinking, well, God, wait a minute, Pastor. Isn't Christianity a form of religion? Christianity is defined as a religion based off man's definition. And let me tell you something. Man will never give Christians a definition that will even come close to approaching God, right? God does not want religion. He doesn't want you pursuing him out of obligation. He doesn't want you pursuing him out of man's ideas or, or man's interpretations of how it's supposed to happen, guys. He's wanting, he's wanting you to pursue him out of just that genuine, pure love in your heart, right? I mean, you, you love him. It doesn't mean you got up this morning and you checked, well, I did this, I did that, and I did that. Okay, so I guess I can talk to God now. I guess he's happy with me, right? You know, people have this crazy idea 
And, and there's so many crazy ideas that God is just up there with a baseball bat waiting on you to sin. Oh, there's one, pow! You know, and he's trying, to, he's trying to take people out or send a lightning bolt, wow, you know. People believe that's what our God is like. But they don't understand. They haven't taken the time to study his nature. I mean, it, it really is so simple to think about. Why would he do that? Why would he send his son to die a horrible death to save us so that he could sit up there and just pick us off one by one as he wants? I think I'm going to kill you by having a rock fall on you. How horrible would that be? Right? That's not our God. Come on, that's not our God. It doesn't make sense. It goes, it goes completely against his very nature. Now, he does know your time. But your time comes as a result of this broken world that we fall in and as a result of the fact that, we, that, that the God of this world is Satan himself who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? Not God. He's not up there trying to take you out. But God hates religion, guys. Everybody say, God hates religion. All right, so he's wanting that relationship. He's wanting you to please him by, you know, just like the reason I please her. See, I took all the bats away, and now she can't hit me. No, no, I'm just kidding. I please her because I love her. Very simple. That's just that simple. But religion is very self-focused, right? It's very, imagine, when when you're following after religion just to try to reach God, it's, it's very, it removes God from the equation is what it does, and it turns everything self inward to, to you. In other words, what can I do in my strength to get to God? You know, cause I know everything. I'm super spiritual. I have read the Bible five times and I know all of the, I answer all these questions. Come on. That's a religious spirit and you need to rebuke yourself if you're thinking that way. Amen. It turns everything, self-righteousness or self that it turns, it's, it's all about me, 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 me. How I many, you know, we live in a me, 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 me society. Come on. Yeah, oh my gosh, oh glory. What can I do in my own strength to satisfy God? What formula can I follow? What ritual? Maybe if I stand on one foot, hop, hold a bowling ball over my head and do this for 10 minutes, God will be, you know, the crazy things. People come up with some crazy stuff, guys. But God isn't looking for you to follow a formula or a ritual. He's not, you don't have to do a formula to please him. You don't have to do a formula to approach him. Guys, you, let me go ahead and just go ahead and tell you, you will never access the heart of God by following some list of rules or by following some formula or by following uh, some obligations, guys. The only way you're going to reach the heart of God, guys, is through that personal, intimate relationship. Personal intimate relationship. I mean, following, get, go ahead and change your mindset right now. If you're thinking, and some of you that are OCD, you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to follow my list. You know, well, that's all right. We'll pray for you at the end of service, right? But you don't have to follow a list to get to God. I mean, think about it. It'd be like this. Think about it like this. Here's Natalie and Cameron. Hey, let me see your bag right there, Natalie. Underneath. I'm getting out of the camera here. That's all right. Oh, that's all right. I just want to hold it up. Natalie and Cameron, guess what? What are Natalie and Cameron going to do? Get married. Of course, we know this because this is her purse, right? And it says bride, you know. I think she's pretty happy about the fact that she's going to get married. Now, I'm going to use them as my illustration. Look at them. They look so happy. You know how when you're going to get married, when you're, when you're falling in love, you're so giddy and you just giggle and sit and snuggle and you laugh. Austin and Kayla do the same thing. They sit around the house and I'm just like... 
can't y'all go have some fun? But we love each other. We're having fun. You know, we're sitting together and, and they're laughing because the shoe came untied or so, you know, something like that, you know. So what do you do? What you do? Don't laugh. Y'all did the same thing when you got, when you fell in love, right? Ooh, I'm spitting. I'm sorry. <laughs> Back to the illustration. Natalie and Cameron are getting married. All right. And they're happy, right? They're happy, Cameron. Yeah, right. I'm preaching to Cameron here, right? Again. <laughs> but they're happy. now. Let's just go ahead and say they're married. Not really, but we're going to just say for the fact that they're married. Now, just picture their marriage, their wedding day. Natalie's going to wake up. She's going to cry because she's happy. She's going to get out of bed and go to eat breakfast. She's going to cry again because she's happy. And then she's going to eat her breakfast. She's going to go get a shower and she's going to cry again. And then she's going to cry. She's probably going to cry here in a minute before I get done with this. She's going to be crying because she's getting married, you know. She's all happy. And Cameron, he's happy too, you know. <laughs> just shake your head, Cameron. That's okay. You're not that, the, the, you know, the groom that's just standing there in the rent and tux going, can we get this thing going, you know. No, that's not going to be you, right? They're going to be happy, right? But, but now when they get married, now they become united in holy matrimony, right? That's what happens, right? And, and now you've got the two happiest people on earth, right? There you go. Natalie's got it. Cameron's getting there. We keep going. He'll get there. Right? And they're happy because in their mind now, they're, they're, they're married you now. They've, they've entered into this, into this covenant. And they've, they've given each other their hearts. You know, her heart's now his. His heart's now hers. Now there's, they're, 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 they're all, they're just giddy. They're happy. They're excited. You know how people are. Come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But they're happy, right? And they've entered into that covenant. And, and uh, they understand the importance of that covenant. In their eyes, nothing can ever separate us, right? Right, yeah, good. All right, but let me ask you this. After, now that they're married, say them they are married, when they walk into the living room at their house and they come in face to face, do they have to go through some kind of formula to say they love each other? Do they have to, do they, well, wait a minute, Cameron. Okay. Uh, no, no, that's crazy. Right. It's crazy. You, you don't have, there's no need to try to gain access to one another's heart. You've done given your heart to one another. That happened in the, in the covenant of the marriage covenant, right? When you, when you said your vows and you entered into that covenant, right? They don't have to follow a formula. They don't have to follow after a list of rules. They don't have to follow after man's ideas to show that they love each other or to pursue each other's heart. It's already been done because they entered into that covenant, guys. The same thing is true with our relationship with God. When we ask Jesus, us into our hearts, guys, the very instant you do, the very, this is very important, guys, the very instant you do, when you ask Jesus into your heart, you have instant access to God's heart right there. Instant access, guys, instant access by way of the covenant that Jesus shed his blood for to sign into effect, right? You have access to his heart. Now, remember, God's not a, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a, he's not going to force himself on anybody, and if you don't understand you have access to his heart and understand who he is and understand he wants that relationship to you, you will never pursue it. But if you don't ever pursue it, he's okay with that. Doesn't mean he's happy. He's giving you free will to choose him or to not choose him. And he's sitting up there crying tears thinking, please come to me. And you may or may not be choosing that relationship with him. Amen. Glory to God. God desires a relationship just like newlyweds have. He wants you to be giddy about spending time with him. He wants you to be happy 
to just talk to him? When's the last time you just drove your car and just talked to God? Get the whole thee, thou prayer out of the way. Just talk to God, I'm having a bad day. You don't have to tell him what's going on, but if it makes you feel better, just, just tell him. It's okay. That's what the Holy Spirit's right there standing by, right there ready, waiting to supernaturally strengthen you to whatever you go to. When you're having a bad day, just start talking about it and just start letting him know, God, I know you're there. Thank God you're there. We're going to get through this. And as you do this and you keep in, what you're doing, guys, is you're encouraging yourself up from the inside out for the spiritual. Oh, glory to God. And before you know it, you'll be jumping around. Wow, your bad day just turns. It just changed. Glory, glory, glory. Glory. Because of your relationship with God. He wants, he desires that relationship. He wants open access to your heart. He doesn't want you following obligations. He doesn't want you following rituals. He don't want you following formula. He don't want you following what we call, what man calls as religion. You know, man has so corrupted religion. You know, that's why all, you have so many denominations. Because man had a different idea. Oh, you don't like my idea? Well, I'm taking half the church and I'm going over here. Now, we're going to be called first this, that, another of the second, this, that, another, you know, that name this long. And then, then that one splits and then that one splits, you know. Spirit of division, get in there and go, or do you all these things. I mean, that's not what God wants. It's not what God wants. He wants us to have just pure communion of two hearts. Pure communion. Now, for the sake of time, uh, I'm going to talk about today. I told you guys last week I want to talk about the spirit of religion, okay? And we're going to talk about it. And we won't get we won't get to everything, but I'm going to get to the I'm going to get to the the big nuggets. And now, the big takeaways I want you to know about the spirit of religion because there is a spirit of religion. First, you you have to understand that not, just like God has angels, right, to do His work. Satan has demons to do his work. Now, a lot of churches and a lot of people don't want to hear, oh, they talk about demons, don't go to that church. Well, you better get in a church because the spiritual is real. You are a spirit. It's very real. It doesn't scare us, does it? No, shouldn't. It doesn't scare us. But you need to understand they are real. And, 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 but everything, every attack you have on your body or everything that you face in this life is not necessarily a demonic attack. can be. Most often, it's not, right? And we're going to talk about that. So what I, want to, what I want you to take away is I want you to understand the spirit of religion is, is, is real, right? And it's intended to do a lot of damage, which is to separate the church in a lot of different ways, and we'll talk about some of that. And I want you to understand that it, if you've fallen into some of the religious traditions in this, things, as all of us have, let's just be honest, Right, myself included. All right, understand that it may have been the result of a religious spirit influencing you, or it may not have. All right, and we'll talk about that some more here in just a second, because I'm going to talk about what causes people to fall into following after religion or formulas, or or a, a list of rules. Right. So we're going to start by talking about the number. What I I believe what God impressed on me to tell you the number one reason people follow after rules or follow after religion or follow after what man says the way we approach God. Okay. And, and which is, and it's guys, it's just a, so much of this that goes on on the endless earth. It's just based off of a lack of knowledge. 
And, and I don't mean that uh, critical. I don't mean that to, to, to jab. You know, that pastor tells us we're stupid. And no, but it's just simply true. A lot of people are living their lives and they're making decisions to how they're going to live their life and responses to life based off of a lack of knowledge, off of what they think man says that, that the way they, way they should respond. And, and it's, not, it's not scriptural, guys. And I'm going to tell you, when you do that, it's dangerous. And let me just say this, guys. The reason people do this, and I'm going to even equip myself and I mean, include myself in this, is human beings are lazy. We are lazy, guys, and, and, and technology didn't help it because guess what? It gave us reason to be lazy. Now we have everything to do, to do things for us, and, and we don't have to work. We're losing the idea of the concept of what it means to work. And Listen, I'm not against technology, but guys, we need to understand something. You're going to have to work in this life, right? But we're, because when we lose sight of the fact that we have to work or we got to put some effort in something to get something out, See, the society today will tell you, you should just, you're just entitled to everything. You don't have to put anything into it. That is wrong and it's very unscriptural. When you create that attitude, guess what? Now you don't want to put any effort into learning the Word of God. Come on. And if you don't learn the Word of God, you're not getting anything out of it. Come on. And that's a bad attitude, guys. And that's how people end up. They, they have a lack of knowledge of what, what, of what we're talking about. How do you approach God? And they, they want to know because everybody that calls himself a Christian wants to approach God, and, but they don't know how to do it. So they, they try to figure it out without getting into the word because nobody wants to sit and read a book, you know. Da, da, da. So let me just do what other people are doing. Well, that looks churchy. I'm going to do that. That sounds religious. I think I'm going to do that. All right? Come on. That's dangerous, guys. That's very dangerous, right? And I think a lot of it, a lot of it comes from people uh, looking at other religions, you know, like I could go down the list. They have very specific things that you have to do if you study. We have a, a chart that has, breaks down all of the different religions, and it's amazing how many different religions there are and cults and things. That, and it talks about the, the, you know, what they have required to do, and it just blows me away to read it. You know, the things they are obligated to do, they got to do, they got to be here, they got to do this, they got to dress this way, they got to burn this incense, they got to do all of this stuff. And it's, guys, people see that and they think, well, I guess... If it applies to that religion, it must apply to Christianity. But that's a lack of knowledge because they don't understand the Word of God because that's non-scriptural, right? The Scripture doesn't tell us that we have to follow a list of rules. And I think another big reason that people actually tie it to Christianity, guys, is they, they, they look at the Old Testament. Now, we know the Old Testament is important. The Old Testament and the whole thing is one book that we need to learn from. But you've got to understand, it's two different covenants. We're not under that old covenant. A lot of people struggle with that. We're under a new covenant, a new and better covenant, based on, ooh, glory to God, the promises, ooh, man. Come on, we've got to change our mind and understand we're under that new covenant. But people get so focused on the Old Testament in the, as- in the aspect of looking at the Israelites. Because, yes, the Israelites, the way they approached God was through rituals. It was through sacrifices, so what they had to do, right? There wasn't any Christians on the earth then. Jesus had not come. So the way they approached him was they, they did these formulas in these, in, these, in these rituals. But guys, what people leave out of the whole equation is the fact that God saw this. 
and they don't understand. That's the old covenant. We're under a new covenant from a lack of knowledge. And they're leaving out the fact God saw it and he said, God, man cannot fulfill the law. I don't like this. I want a better way. I want it to be easier. I want it to make it because I love them. I don't care how unworthy they are, how broken they are. I love them. I want to make a better way. I want a better way. And he established that better way through the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross. That's, and see, that's what sealed the deal on the new covenant, which we are under now. But there's a lot of people that believe, well, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not doing penance, if I'm not doing this, if I'm not doing that, then, then if, I'm not, if I'm not working, I'm not, if I'm not putting pain on my body and suffering on my body, I'm not pleasing God for my wrongdoing. And, and they believe if I'm, not, if I'm not working hard, if I'm not doing this or laboring or checking the boxes and all this, they believe they're not doing enough. And you have people out there trying to get to God doing crazy things that are just unscriptural. Lack of knowledge. And guys, it's just simply a response from being a spiritual baby. This is why people stay there. That's what that is. That's a response from being a spiritual baby. And I've been there. I remember when I got saved, man, when I first got saved, I was a sponge soaking all the, 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 the word in and reading and studying and, and, and all this. And, and, and I didn't know a lot. So I would try to do things that I saw other people do at other churches because I thought, wow, that looks, that looks real. God will really like that because that sounds churchy or that looks churchy. And I know I'm going to please God if I do that. Lack of not, I had a lack of knowledge, right? That's why scripture tells us that we are to renew our minds on the word of God. You've got to be feeding on this word, guys. Feeding on this word, glory to God. See, when you at first accept Jesus, guys, you're a spiritual baby. I don't care how old you are. I was 25 years old when I got saved. And I'm going to tell you, I lived in the world, and I had a lot of beliefs in my head about how life should be, how a relationship should be, what I should be doing, what I could be doing, what are my rights, and this, that, and another. And when I accepted Jesus into my heart, my spirit man changed, but... My mind and my body stayed the same, and I was a spiritual baby. I didn't know some things, guys. I had, to, I had to learn some stuff so that I could respond. I had to learn the Word so I could respond from the Word of God. Right? In other words, you know, 1 Peter 2, 2 out of the Passion Translation says, In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word, for this milk will cause you to grow into maturity fully nourished and strong for life. Guys, the way you grow spiritually is simply from feeding on the word, renewing your mind. You got to retrain those beliefs that are in your mind from before you came to Christ, right? Your mind didn't change instantly. When you got saved, the next day you still believed that a sexual relationship was based off of what you had already trained yourself, which was based off what the world says. Now you got to retrain what you believe according to the word of God. And if you don't retrain it, guys, you're going to struggle the rest of your life. And people wonder, why is it so hard to be a Christian? Because you're not renewing your mind. You're not retraining your mindset, your thought process. So you're continually responding from a worldly standpoint. And people wonder why they always, they spend all this time struggling. Well, if you would just renew your mind and then put this first place and throw those worldly beliefs and worldly things out and put all your focus here, it becomes so easy. And when you put love in the equation, which is the greatest commandment, come on, 
which is your love for your heavenly father, and you have that relationship, and he's first, and you're focused right there only on him, the rest comes naturally. You're not doing any obligation. It just naturally happens. You know, people argue over, should I tithe, should I, shouldn't I tithe, should I tithe, should I? It goes back and forth. Religious spirit. Because if you love God, you want his work to grow. You want it, it just naturally happens. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Guys, and this is where most people, why people follow after religions or formulas. or It's just a spiritual immaturity. So I was there. I was there. If you're there, rebuke it, get in the word, start renewing your mind and move forward. Because I'm going to tell you something. If we all would be honest, we would say we've been there too. Amen. We've been there. When you first, when you first came to Christ, we all went through this process. Some of you may still be going to that, through that process. And I think, you, I think throughout their life, the process of sanctification, it's a, it's a lifelong process that you walk out in your lifetime. So I think your, your whole life, you're always retraining your beliefs. Right, and I think through the whole process, you're, and, and that that process happens. The more you feed on the word, it happens faster, and it makes it easier. Right, but it's a process of growing pains. You're constantly training yourself and training your spirit and learning more about God and growing mature in the things of God. It's very important, guys. If you don't do this, guys, mm, you're gonna you're gonna there's, you are gonna struggle with being a Christian, and the devil wants you to struggle with being a Christian. He don't want it to be easy. Because he knows that once you get in that relationship with God, he, he can't hardly get to you. He can keep trying, but you can keep kicking him away, you know. Get away from me. You know, he's beneath our feet. Right. Scripture says we are to resist him, James 4, 7. We're not to fight him right. physically. Right. The only thing the word says is you got to resist him. Right. But how do you resist him? Well, go back to the armor of God. You use the word of God. You rebuke the devil every time he tries to come on and influence you to do wrong, tries to come in your life. If he's coming into your marriage and trying to disrupt your marriage, and then you rebuke him. The spirit, would, there is many spirits that he can use to influence you. The spirit of rebellion, the spirit, spirit of suicide, the spirit so many things that he can use to influence you. And you've got to respond when he starts to influence you because we all, all can be tempted. I don't care who you are, but the difference is, is who is more mature to rebuke the temptation and rebuke the one that's trying to bring that on you or who is a spiritual baby that's going to let it come on them and make a pet out of it and carry it around. And I don't know why I just can't get over this temptation because you're not rebuking the devil. Yeah? Resist him. Stop trying to fight him in physical strength and just resist him. That's all you got to do. It's not that hard, guys. I, I don't mean to say that because, you know, sometimes that, that, that can come across wrong. But God's made a way. Resist him. Resist him. Resist him. Now, the next reason that God wants, this is what God wanted me to talk about, is the spirit of religion. I told you last week that we were going to get into that. And the spirit of religion, has, it has done a lot of damage in the spirit of religion, especially in the body of Christ. Because now you have so many denominations. You have so many people confused about what, just little, it's amazing the little things that will cause people to get hung up on. And the spirit of religion manifests in a lot of ways. It'll manifest, it can manifest in just using scripture against you, just like the devil tried to do with Jesus Right, and, and he'll 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 get people so focused on scripture. I have a friend that's that's dealing with this, and he won't admit it, but 
He's been studying the same two scriptures for about three years. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Now, don't misunderstand me. We rightly divide the word. But you have the greater one living on the inside of you to teach you. It don't take three years, two years, whatever long. It doesn't, you, would, that's the religious spirit influencing him to do what? To keep his focus on that scripture and off of the love he has for God and to separate. But it happens in so many different ways, guys. And it has, it's, it, 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 it has done a lot of damage to the body of Christ. It's why you have all the denominations. Why you, it's why people ask, are you a, what, what, what denomination are you? And, you know, we say we're, we're a non-denomination. Uh, and, but we're really not. We're a word of faith. Just like Paul, Romans 10, I think it's in verse eight. He says that, that he talks about, he even says, we preach the word of faith. Now, some people have put, uh, certain, uh, labels on the word of faith camp, you know, oh, you're that name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, this and all this stuff. stuff. And people that do that, I believe are being influenced by a religious spirit. Cause what would you rather live? Listen to somebody that's going to preach and teach that you can walk in victory. Or would you rather listen to somebody that's going to preach and teach you gotta die and go to hell if you don't stop? Come on, really? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Just a simple truth, right? All right. My rant's over back to the religious spirit. <laughs> Back to the Paul told us we were going to battle this on earth. Go with me to Ephesians six, where Paul's talking about the uh, putting on the armor of God, right? And he tells us, beginning in verse ten, he said, "I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation." There's nothing worse than when you hit the wrong button when you're up here in front of everybody staring at you and now you have to go back and find out where you're going. <laughs> All right, we're Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10. Paul's telling us, he's like, getting, getting you ready, guys. You know, you've got to put on the armor of God. And we've done many m- messages on this. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? If it was against flesh and blood, there's some pretty big dudes on this earth. I believe they could whoop some devil butt if it, was, if it was, had to do with some physical contact. But I'm going to tell you what, God's got an equalizer, it's called his scripture and it's called Jesus. And when you get Jesus on the inside of you and you remind yourself of Luke ten nineteen, where it says, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Woo. We talked about that Wednesday night. He didn't give us authority over I don't know, a quarter of the power. No, he gave us power over all the power. Woo! When you understand you have, that's the authority of the believer. And now when you understand you have that, glory to God. And you understand you're going to be fighting against spiritual, your battle is spiritual. You're going to be fighting against spiritual forces. Woo, glory. But you have authority over, how about taking your authority? How do you take your authority? Use your, your mouth. Use your mouth. Mark eleven twenty three says you've got to speak to your mountain. Listen, the devil's running at you wide open, and he'll keep running at you. You're either going to run like this, or you're going to speak to him. Speak the word. Speak because you have that authority. Remind him of Luke ten nineteen. I keep it in my truck. 
I keep it in the console right there. I just, I don't know, I just wrote it one day and I've kept it there and I move it from truck to truck and I just have it. It's meant in there. Why? Because it encourages me. Because I walk in that authority. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't understand you have that authority, he's going to tear you to pieces in this life. You're going to spend your life with your, your tail tucked between your legs running when you need to be standing in the boldness of who you are. Holy Spirit empowered to walk out and do something successful on this earth for the kingdom of God by speaking the word of God to the devil and kicking his behind because you have authority over him. And bind him, send him running with his tail between his legs because he's beneath your feet. Woo, glory to God. I got to breathe for a minute. (laughs) A religious spirit, what is it? It's a demon influencing. A demon is just one of Satan's minions. Doesn't scare us because we've got authority over all that, right? You know, what what people get scared when they hear that is they don't understand they have the authority. When you understand you have that authority, you just rebuke it and go on. I remember I was in a service one time, and... The, the gentleman was going through the chairs and he was laying hands on people and praying for somebody. And there was a man that had a demon in him. And it was behind me. And uh, the minister went down and went to lay hands on him and, and a, a voice started talking to him out of this guy. And it wasn't the man's voice because I, I remember uh, just shaking the guy's hand before the service. You know how we do. This was when we, before we were in ministry. And, and the minister discerned really quick what it was. Didn't lay hands on him or anything, just instantly rebuked the devil. And you come out of him in the name of Jesus. And so he went on down the line, laying hands on the, on the, on the rest of the people in, the, in that line, and he turned around to come back. And he's walking back, and that, that little voice raised his head up again. Well, that minister stood up bold then. He didn't take no mess, and he immediately rebuked and commanded that demon to come out in Jesus' name. And when he did, the man literally fell into the pew. And the man was out for just a minute. And the ministers kept walking. And the man finally came through and didn't even know what had happened. Didn't even know what had happened. Woo, glory. I don't know why I told you all that, but, oh, man. Religious spirit's a demon that, that, that Satan is using to influence the church to substitute some form of a religious activity for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's simply what it is. In other words, you've got to do this. You've got to follow this. Your church service has got to look like this. You've got to do this. Follow this, 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 and this, and this. Come on. That's the spirit of religion. And let me just go ahead and say this. It manifests in so many different ways. If you're sitting out here and you're thinking five people that, you need, that you're thinking that needs to hear this, go ahead and rebuke that spirit of religion off of you because that's what that is. So you've got to learn to humble yourself. The spirit of religion wants you to think that you know everything. And that's hard for human beings to, to override that. Let me tell you something. Last night we were at the bonfire. Now, I'm your pastor. I, I study. Pastor Michelle studies. Pastor Austin studies. Pastor Nathan and Anna, they study. And they, 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 we're always studying. But all of us together don't know everything. And we were at the bonfire last night. And little Eli... Ben and Megan's son, asked me a question. And I'm going to tell you something. When a little kid asks their pastor a question, you want to give an answer. But you know what? I didn't have an answer. I, and I had to make a decision right there. Well, the religious spirit's tapping on my shoulder. saying, you're the pastor. You're supposed to know everything. But see, I don't yield to no religious spirit. I simply told Ben and Megan and Eli, I don't know that answer. You have to humble yourself. Nobody is all-knowing. 
And if you think you're all knowing, you go ahead and rebuke that religious spirit off yourself right now. And I had to tell him, and I was very proud. I was very, not proud. I was very pleased with him. That was a good question for him to think. A very good question for him to think. You guys are obviously doing some good work there, and I commend you for that. But I told him I'll get that answer, and I will get him the answer for that. Amen. And I'll share that, guys, you, that with you guys later. But what's the point is you don't yield to that because I'm going to tell you something. You think, wait a minute, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to have all these answers. No. I don't have all the answers. I'll get him the answer, and I know exactly where to go to get it. I have the resources. That's why I love my uh, RMAI, my ministerial association. It's because that, that I, can, I have people I can contact, people that will hold me accountable or people I can go to and draw from to get good answers, people that have been in ministry a lot longer than me. There, amen. amen? And that's what I'll do, right? So the religious spirit is... It's, 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 it's a spirit used to hold the church down or, or to, to hold the church to some form of godliness when they, when they actually have denied the power of God. And this is just a simple truth, guys. We have denied the not us, but there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that have denied the power of God, and that's bad. Not good. We need the power of God. Paul even talked about it in 2 Timothy 3, 5. He says, they will act religious... But they will reject the power that could make them godly. And he even goes on a little bit further and he says, stay away from people like that. Stay away from people. Guys, whenever the religious spirit is operating, it will always turn the focus away from the power of God and turn it to the power of man. And what have we done in church? I'm talking about the body of Christ. Look at it. Some of these churches are so focused on what we can build. And some of them are building some big ministries. But it's all in man's strength. It's using business models and nothing wrong with that. You've got to balance all of it. You've got to use it together and make sure that the power of God's included in the, in the equation, right? But we've done, I mean, everywhere you look, it looks like there's a formula that if you follow this formula, your church is going to get big. If you do this, step, 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 your church, you're going to reach a lot of people. You're going to do all, come on. But we just talked about how God don't want formulas. He doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship with you. Now, I'm not, let me just remind you guys, we balance everything. I like structure and I like order. So we do follow certain, certain patterns to keep structure and to keep order. But I can tell you what, whenever the Holy Spirit calls, we yield and we will yield and we'll continue to yield. Amen. But the religious spirit turns the focus from God and turns it back to the power of man, self-righteousness. Come on. So that's what, it, that's what, it, that's what it, what can I do? It's all about me. I'm on, I'm the mind of God, right? I have everything. All of these things. You'll see jealousy. You'll see pride. Pride is a big one, guys. But let's go all the way back to the garden and remember what caused the fall of man. Pride did. Woo, glory to God. And you know, it, 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 it was the downfall of man. And, and, you know, that reminds me, go with me to Matthew Matthew 16. Let's go to Matthew 16. I want to look at something. Because I, I, something, God just dropped on my heart. And here's, uh, the religious spirit operating will also is, is the master of persecution. Let me just put it that way, pers- persecution, right? And uh, I mean, I'll tell you what, we'll get there in just a minute. Let me go back to this. I'm getting ahead of myself. Because, uh, but Jesus is talking about the pride here. 
I'm watching the clock. I should have never looked at the clock. I should have never looked at the clock. I was trying to, I'm going to leave something out, but I'm not going to leave this out. We're going to stay right here. Jesus is talking about pride, all right? We're going to go just a few minutes longer here, guys. I've got my, I'm, I'm going to get you guys to the chicken place, but... But God, Jesus was actually talking about pride. And he's talking, what he's talking to the disciples, he's talking about, he's talking to, and he tells them right here in, in, uh, uh, verse six, let's go to the new King James. All right. And he talks, he's telling the disciples, he tells them, Jesus says to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? And the leaven, you know, we know that leaven is the yeast and the bread. But then he goes on because the disciples are like, what's he talking about? They says, and they reason among themselves, saying, "It is because we have taken no bread." I mean, Jesus is a little aggravated right here. He's like, "What are you talking about? Are you guys stupid?" No, no, that's not what he said, right? But I can, you know, he was probably a little frustrated. He says, "Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves or the five thousand and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves or the four thousand or how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? What was he saying right there? Well, he was using an analogy, and leaven is yeast in bread. What is yeast used for in bread? Make it rise. Inflate it. I call it inflate. I remember when Michelle used to make homemade bread. Oh, that was so good. Oh, I'm not getting sidetracked. But it's used, <laughs> it's used to make it rise, right? And it doesn't bring any nutritional value to it whatsoever, guys. Guys, the religious, religious spirit operates the same way. He was telling them to beware of the leaven of their teaching. Who? The men and the men of God of the day. Be aware of their teaching. Be aware of that yeast and that bread. When this religious spirit operates the same way, it doesn't bring any power. It doesn't bring any life to the church. But one thing it does do is it inflates the pride of the religious leaders of the day. So what he was saying. They're the ones that are supposed to have all the answers because they are the religious men of the day, right? Glory. <laughs> Glory to God. Listen, when you see a religious spirit operating, you're always going to see pride, jealousy, self-righteousness. And this brings me to what I was getting talking about. I was about to leave that out, but it, it, it causes persecution, guys. It really does. Because if you really think about it, who was persecuting Jesus? It wasn't the sinners, it wasn't the ones that were sick. It wasn't the one that was dead that got raised again. No, he was running pretty happy. Yeah, he was pretty The sinners were like, yeah, you know, and, and the ones that were sick that got healed, they were 110% behind him, right? The ones that were bringing the persecution guys were the ones that were the thought, I got it figured out. I got to be right. I'm the religious man of the day. I got to have an answer. I don't have an answer, so my job is going to be to persecute him. Ooh, they thought they had the light, but I have to tell them that their enlightenment was really darkness. Because yes. they were supposed to be the man of God, but they, could, they couldn't even see. Jesus was, was, was the Messiah. They were standing right before them, but they're the man of God. You think there wasn't a religious spirit on them? Come on, they were separating them. They had God in front of them, and they couldn't even see it. And they were the religious leaders? Oh, glory to God. That religious spirit was doing some damage right there, right? Glory to God. And now listen, the ultimate job of the spirit of religion is to deceive us from that relationship that we have with Christ, mm -hmm. right? 
that God's desire, and, and that's because it's based on loving God. It's based on love. Based on love. Look at Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 37. Most of you know this scripture by heart, but we're going to read it anyway. 37 through 40. How many of you know love is the greatest commandment? Yes, it is. Well, your relationship with God is based off of love. And when, when that relationship's there, guys, everything else happens naturally. You don't have to fight over what I have to do to follow God or what I have to do to please God. If you love him, you just naturally please him. Right? Verse 37, it says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Guys, loving God is the greatest commandment. And the second is to love your neighbor. And if you, it's, why? Because it's all focused on loving God. Right? And, and, and remember, Satan is trying to divide, to separate. He doesn't want you loving God, so that's where the religious spirit comes in, to, to, to try to stop that and keep you focused on yourself instead of being focused on God. Because if you love God, you're not going to worship idols. You're not. You're gonna, if you love God, you're, you're not going to worship money because it, that's not your God. God is your, is your source, and, and money just is a blessing that comes along from having him as your source, right? Now, he's made people different ways, and there are some people that are really gifted at making money. But if they, as long as they keep that money separate and God is their source, they'll just continue to keep making money, right? Because that's the way God intended it to be, because they have the right heart, and he's got a plan for them to use them to advance the kingdom in some kind of way. But if you love God, you won't worship idols. If you love, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from them. You're not going to hurt them. You're not going to be killing them, right? Really, if you follow after love, all the rest of the stuff is easy. It just naturally happens. Amen. Now, love doesn't cover everything, right? I and mean, that's a whole sermon for another day. But in a nutshell, if you, can, if you keep the commandments right there, I would say that the New Testament commandments right there are love. If you keep those commandments, guys, what is it? it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep you from focusing on the evil that tries to come inside you or the sin that tries to come on inside of you. Because you're going to focus on one or the other. Amen? And that's what... And, and, and you, you understand, wherever your focus is what you're going you're gonna, to... You're going to turn into... You're going to become what you behold, so to say. Right? In other words, if you're focused on God, guys, then you're going to bear His image. Yeah. You're going to bear His image. But if you're focused on the sin... Then the sin and the evil has got dominion over. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, out of the New Living. You've got to understand this, guys. This is, this is a little... I'm trying to explain this very good because it's, it, he's trying to separate you from your loving relationship. He's trying to get you focused on yourself and focused on your wrongdoing, focused on your past, focused on your sin, focused on the evil that has tried to come inside you and instead of being focused on God because he knows that if you keep your focus on God, you're going to bear his image. Look what he says right here. He says, so all of us who have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Guys, you keep your focus on Him. Guess what? You're, you're changing. You're changing. You ever see somebody walk in a room and you're like, man, they're glowing. You don't know why? Look at the glow on them. You know, it's just like, what's different? I had a guy happen. Got a guy saved one time. He hated me. 
We worked together. And I didn't like him either, to be honest with you. He just, he just, he was, had a very foul mouth would cuss me. I mean, he was a customer of mine, and I had to see him every single day. And finally, after weeks of him cussing at me, I was either late, I didn't get there on time, I was, didn't get his packages when he wanted them, I wasn't just that, and other, I just wasn't ever right, and just cuss, 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 cuss. Now, my flesh wanted to just take a stick and knock him off the dock out there, you know? But guess what? You know, we've got to keep that flesh under control, plus he was a pretty big guy. But <laughs> I just kept smiling, you know? And at the end of the day, when, when, when I would always see him after he got through cussing me like a dog. I would just through my gritted teeth, you know, have a blessed day, you know. And he finally asked me, he said, all right, I got to ask you this. And I thought, oh, boy, it's on now. You know, I thought, he said, what's wrong with you? I said, ain't nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with you? You know, and he said, he said man, you come in here. He said, I don't know. I can't explain it. He said, there's something different about you. You're always happy. Well, you always, you look different, you know, and, and all of this. And, and guys. It opened the door. It opened the door. And I was able to witness to him. And this big guy was, when it was all said and done, I got him saved and he was crying. Had gone through you know what in his life. And just, it was, but there was something different about me because I had a new focus. I was focused on the love of God. And man, he was first place and God was changing me. I was bearing his image. Now see, devil, the devil knows that. So he wants to shift your focus. He wants to shift your focus because he knows that when you're loving God, right, and that's your highest goal, and it becomes your primary, primary focus, you, you'll start to bear the image of God, and the, the, God, the devil's going to send the religious spirit to stop that. And he stops it by keeping you focused on the evil in your lives or the sin in your lives. Let's just put it that way, right? Because he knows that if you focus on that, that's what's going to have dominion over you. And he wants to stop that. Stop that, guys. Amen. Don't let him stop. You have authority. You have authority. And I'm closing right here. If you think that you've been influenced by the spirit of religion, I would say that most people have not. Or or on a small scale. Because we've all followed after religious rules or things that we thought were churchy or things prayed a certain way or this, that, and another. And some of that comes from the fact that you're just a spiritual baby. You haven't renewed your mind. You haven't grown in the things of, in spiritual things. Excuse me, in the spiritual things. You haven't grown. And you, and, and, but if you think that you are being influenced by uh, the religious spirit, rebuke him. Remind yourself of James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee. Start by repenting and start resisting. And remind yourself of Luke 10, 19. I got authority. I'm going to walk in that authority. Some of us need to be getting a big head about our spiritual authority. And we need to be rebuking the devil out of our lives, out of our family's lives. Right? And if you ever wonder, well, do I actually have authority in this? Who cares? Take it anyway. If you got faith for it, you can move a mountain. Come on. Don't get in there. That's a religious spirit trying to get in there and separate you. Kick it to the curb. Man, I use my authority over things and I don't ever. I used to stop and think, well, I wonder if this is really going to happen. No, I believe my faith. It's going to happen. If I can move a mountain, I can change this city. I can change where I work. I can change anything. Glory to God. If the Holy Spirit's leading me to do it, I'm going to do it. Glory to God. Listen, if the religious spirit comes knocking, you kick him to the curb. You have authority. You resist him. And you keep being, stay on your face before God and pursue that 
deep, intimate, personal relationship of a com- two hearts coming together. Be happy, be giddy, live in his joy and please him. The rest of it will come naturally. You won't have to figure all this little stuff out. That's the religious spirit trying to get you hung up on, well, do I do this? Should I do that? Should I not do this? Should I go to church? Listen, if you're loving God and your focus is God, you're going to church because you want to be here. You want every time the door opens, I'm there. I want to be there. Glory to God. Guys, I'm going to close on that. I could keep going, but I'm going to close on that. Let's pray.